we turn to chapter 2 and at verse 19 we read this question. Is the seed yet in the barn? Yea, is yet the vine and the fig tree and the pomegranate and the olive tree hath not brought forth? From this day will I bless you. I'd like to remind you something of the context in which these words are found. Remember <coughs> the people of Jerusalem and Judah being in captivity for 70 years in Babylon, so a thousand miles away from home in a strange country amongst a strange people. They had been there for all that period of time. But just as God had promised, they were brought back remarkably by Cyrus, the Persian king, which, by the way, was denied for many years by so-called Bible scholars. They, they scoffed at the very idea of a pagan king like Cyrus allowing people freedom and going back to their homeland and assisting them to do so. Well, no one dare deny that today because of the discovery of the Cyrus Cylinder, which has an inscription of all these things, testifying and reminding us that the Bible is 100% reliable when it comes to historical truth. So here they are then back in Jerusalem to their joy and uh, their gladness. But the work had begun and then it came to a, a, to a halt for a time, for about 16 years possibly. And one reason why it came to a halt was because of the enemy action against the people. Um, but in addition to that, the people had become sort of half-hearted, you might say. And instead of pursuing what they had begun, they were more concerned about improving their homes, their sealed houses, in other words, panelled houses, and decorating their homes and considering their homes and families more than the work of the Lord. So here is Haggai and later Zechariah sent by the Lord to encourage them, to reprove them, and to stir up the hearts of the people. They had begun well. They had to be commended for what they did. And they did so well initially. But they started to, to flag. And they started to think about other things instead of, instead of the work of the Lord. And so the Lord, he reasons with them regarding these things. Notice chapter 1 and verse 2. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come the time that the Lord's house should be built. And then we have the record regarding Haggai uh, encouraging them and stirring their hearts to revisit the work and to begin afresh. They're called a number of times in this prophecy to consider their ways. Now, this is all very timely, really, because we all need this kind of exhortation. We need to be stirred up sometimes. We can start to find our hands are hanging down and perhaps we're not as enthusiastic as we once were. So I want to draw your attention then to these words in verse 19, and also verse 13 of the previous chapter, because it wasn't just reproof, it wasn't just exhortation, there was also encouragement and promise of blessing. Verse 13 of chapter 1, Then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, in the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you saith the Lord and what greater blessing could we wish for than the Lord to say that to us I am with you and I'll never leave you nor forsake you not only with you in the matter of salvation but I'm with you in the work that you are doing I'm with you to help you to strengthen your hands in the work and to encourage your hearts I'm with you says the Lord and 
you notice at the end of verse 19 of chapter 2, the Lord says, from this day will I bless you. You can see the grace and the kindness of the Lord to his erring people. They had become sidetracked by other things and their hearts uh, were not filled with the zeal they once had. But the Lord is gracious and merciful to them. He knows their weakness. He knows their susceptibility to go astray. And he encouraged them afresh with the promise of blessing if they uh, begin again the work they had started already. So when think about this phrase, this question, beginning of verse 19, is the seed yet in the barn? The question was very telling because the Lord had chased them by uh, bringing trouble to them regarding their harvest. They had sown much and they brought in very little. The Lord was speaking to them by these means. And you can, you can read the details of these things as you read these two chapters together. So is the seed yet in the barn? They didn't have to be farmers to know the answer to the question. They didn't have to be experts in agriculture. All they had to do was to go to the barn and see for themselves that it was empty, or at least not nothing much left at all from previous occasions. And that was a voice from the Lord to them. In, all, in spite of all their hard work, in spite of all their labour, there wasn't any fruit and there wasn't any results. So the application and the big question for us is, are we looking for and seeing spiritual fruit to our labours? Is the seed yet in the barn? That's the challenge to us all this evening. This is the big question. Yes, we are to be diligent, we're to be faithful and we're to be patient. We're not to necessarily be uh, impatient, expect immediate results may be. But nevertheless, at the same time, we are to be anticipating and looking for the Lord's blessing upon the work that we do in his name. We are to be looking and expecting fruit, expecting blessing from the Lord. On the subject of uh, patience, let me just remind you of James in chapter 5, verse 7, the middle of the verse. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he receive the early and latter rain be also patient and we need to take that to heart don't we in the work we're doing lest we become unduly discouraged but at the same time we have to ask ourselves the question are we really looking for fruit are we really expecting spiritual blessing are we seeing evidences of grace in uh, the children in the sunday school in children in the families here in this uh, church context and the, are we seeing some evidence of the Lord working by his gracious spirit? I remember years ago being somewhat challenged by something a preacher said. He said, is your life a bit like a windmill? The, the sails are going round, but maybe there's nothing happening inside. No, no grain being ground into flour. And it looks just as it should be from the outside. The sails are going round, but no work is taking place inside and we have to ask ourselves the question are we just activity we may travel here and travel there and be busy one way and another in the lord's service and we have to ask ourselves are we seeing evidence of fruit to our labors this should be our exercise and our prayerful desire spurgeon in his lectures to his students on one occasion he said beware of becoming just professional in ministry and by that he meant he didn't say we're to be careless and sloppy of course he was simply saying it's possible to get into a kind of routine and habit and maybe a verse of scripture presents itself 
and uh, a minister can see how it can fall into its component parts and bring a message from that verse and it's an acceptable sermon and then move on to the next service and so on. And he warned of the danger of falling to that kind of routine and not really looking for fruit and for spiritual prosperity. And the same, of course, applies in Sunday school work, doesn't it? You may know the lesson well. You've taught that lesson before, perhaps. You know the passage of scriptures to turn to, to uh, undergird that lesson. You know how to apply it. You know what illustrations to use. You know the children. You know them well, perhaps. And you may feel confident in coming to the children in the class. But are we seeing fruit? Is the seed yet in the barn? Is there evidence the Lord is working in these young lives? Are they asking significant questions? Are they showing an interest? Are there indications they feel they need to pray and call upon the Lord? These are important questions we need to ask ourselves when we're involved in the Lord's work. And likewise with Christian parents and their children. It's easy perhaps to know how to answer some questions. You have the answers that were uh, stored up in the mind. You know how to respond to certain situations perhaps. And you know the answer to certain questions from the Bible. But... Is there evidence of grace in the hearts of our children or our grandchildren? Yes, we speak to them, we, we pray for them, we, we want to see the Lord at work in their lives. The name J.C. Philpot may not be familiar with you all, but he was a fellow of Worcester College, Oxford, and he, he left that position and seceded from the Church of England for conscience' sake and joined the despised nonconformists. And he said some very telling things in his ministry, in his writings. He said something like this regarding public ministry, and he's referring to a preacher, of course. He said, it's one thing for a preacher to preach a sermon because the hands of the clock on a Sunday morning are at 11 a.m. It's another thing to preach under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And that's something that should stir us up as members of this church to pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit, for that celestial fire to come down from heaven, to apply the word that is proclaimed faithfully, to apply it to the hearts of the hearers, that there may be conversions, there may be results, there may be evidence of the Lord at work in hearts, and for the encouragement and for the strengthening of the faith of believers. And this should be, as it were, a great motivation when we come to pray, to pray for this very thing. That's what we long to see. Yes, we are to be active, we are to be diligent, and we are to be consistent in our activities in the Lord's name. But let us not forget the big question. Are we seeing fruit? Is the fruit, is the seed yet in the barn? And that's a very telling question, surely, to us all. Quite recently, I read an extract regarding the diary of Kenneth McRae. It's a name some of you will know, perhaps. He was a, a Free Church of Scotland minister, many years ago and he wrote an extensive uh, period of diaries and they're very profitable reading and they were edited by Ian Murray and published by the Banner of Truth but back in 1934 he had a a very serious illness it was very painful and the Lord brought him safely through that very painful experience but he learned some important spiritual lessons in that affliction and amongst other things he said this I saw how utterly foolish I had been in my ministry, working at high pressure all the time and forgetting that all my efforts would be vanity were they not blessed by the Holy Spirit. This was what troubled me more than anything else in my illness, how I longed to be assured 
that I would yet return to labour in Zion, that I might be wise, and that I might work aright, learning to take the Lord with me in every sermon and in every effort to advance his kingdom. And now let me not forget this most important lesson. One sermon preached in the power of the Spirit is better than one hundred without. Time taken in pleading with the Lord for his blessing upon my endeavours is not time lost, but what makes my endeavours profitable. Well, it's not just application for public preachers of the word, surely, but for us all in our labours in the work of the Lord, whether it's speaking to people on the streets, in the town centre, on a Saturday in the month, or whether it be in care homes, or the Sunday school, young people's groups, and so on. Every aspect of the ministry of this church, we need the power and the gracious unction of the Holy Spirit to attend all that we seek to do and to say. So this surely gives a sense of urgency in our prayer meetings and in our private prayers as well. And uh, we do well to take home with us the particular needs for prayer and to bring them before the Lord. So this surely should be our prayerful exercise. The Lord may come to our aid and add his blessing to what we are attending to in his name. There's a lovely story told of a little boy who went with his mother to a piano recital. A famous pianist was to perform on that occasion and the mother sat in the front seat with her little boy and she started to talk to the person right next to her and got so engrossed in the conversation didn't realise her little five-year-old boy had disappeared. And uh, she was horrified to look round to see he'd gone up to the stage and was sitting on the piano stool starting to play Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Just at the very point when this famous pianist stepped onto the onto the stage but he wasn't offended he said to the little boy i want you to carry on and he put his hands either side of this little boy and it made that little twinkle twinkle little star tune sound altogether different the hand of the master was upon it and likewise here we are with our twinkle twinkle little star as it were serving the lord in our own little way we need the hand of the master to be upon us to make it uh, a masterpiece as it were fit for the lord's service so surely this is a very telling question for us to ask is the seed yet in the barn may the lord give us urgency regarding these things but there's just one more point i want to draw to your attention and that is that christ is here in this prophecy the old testament prophets weren't just gloom and doom were they there was a Yes, there was lots of reproof, and that was necessary. Lots of challenging things, but also great encouragements. And in particular, Christ was presented one way or another in each of the prophecies. Now you notice in chapter 2, verse 6, which is quoted by the writer to the Hebrews in chapter 12, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, Yet once it is a little while, and I'll shake the heavens and the earth and the sea, and the dry land and i'll shake all nations and the desire of all nations shall come and i will fill this house with glory saith the lord of hosts christ is the desire of nations because all nations under the sun uh, at one point in their history will hear the gospel if they have not heard it already and christ will become as god blesses the word christ will become their desire of all nations in that sense as the lord is at work amongst the nations of the earth through the gospel and regarding this temple that they were 
erecting, re-erecting, perhaps we should say, rebuilding in Jerusalem, there were people who were no doubt disappointed because the older generation could remember Solomon's temple with all its glory. And here was this lesser temple being erected in its place. But the promise is, the Lord will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord. And the glory of that second house was not in its structure or its appearance, but the fact that in due course Christ would come and enter that temple. He is the greater glory then of the house of the Lord. So let us be encouraged by this work and the promise at the end of verse 19, from this day will I bless you. Well, let us seek to take hold of the Lord tonight in prayer and to plead with him for his gracious blessing. That he might condescend to use us individually and use us collectively as a body of his people for the progress of the gospel. We're going to sing... Uh